thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. If that opening song didn't wake you up, I think the uh, introduction video certainly did. It is great to see you here. Uh, Those of you in the room, it's great to see you. Uh, My name's Leon. Those of you at Rowley, fantastic you and connect with you as well. We are thinking about you. Hope you have an amazing morning. And uh, if you're tuning in a little bit later today from Clibbery Mortimer, great to see you guys as well. In fact, wherever you're watching from, if you're online or in the room, you are really, really welcome. We are starting a brand new series today called Coming Back Stronger. And I don't know about you, but I love comeback stories. Anyone love good comeback stories? This is my favourite comeback story of all time. One of the greatest films of all time. Let's go to the slide. Who loves a good Rocky film? Oh, okay, is it just me? Is it just a bloke thing? I remember, okay, they did like Rocky 1, 2, 3, I don't know how many it was. Then there was a big gap, and then it was years later, they did another Rocky one, and so like, he's much older, okay? And I remember sneaking out in an afternoon one day on my own, going into a cinema to watch this Rocky, whatever number it was, and literally it was full of middle-aged blokes like me. And when the music started, dun 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 and all that. When that went on, all the guys were like that, just moving. It was just, it drew so much out of us. This story of someone that shouldn't succeed but does, that comes back stronger, that when they're knocked down, they get back up again. And you know, comeback stories are really inspiring. If you're old like me, you might remember the 1985 Snooker World Championship, Steve Davis and Dennis Taylor. Anyone remember that? And it's. Um, Taylor loses the first seven frames. Steve Davis is like the legend of snooker. He wins everything. He brings it back. It's 17 each, goes into the the deciding frame and it goes to a re-spotted black. Sounds exciting. It's snooker. It's not that exciting. I'm trying to make it sound exciting. And he wins against all of the odds. Or 2005, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, Liverpool can't even believe I'm saying that word, are in the Champions League final. They're 3-0 down. They bring it back to 3-3. They take it to penalties and they win on penalties. It's a comeback story. Or in 1976, Nicky Lauda, Formula One. Horrendous crash. Burnt. Given the last rights into a coma, six weeks later is racing again. The following year wins the Formula One World Championship. And it's not just in sport, but J.K. Rowling, five years before um, that first book is published, Harry Potter book, she's a single mom on welfare, 12 rejection letters, yet she keeps going and she comes back stronger. It's Black History Month. So many black people that have have had to go through incredible oppression and difficulty and yet they've come back stronger. People like Jennifer Hudson, who she witnessed her mother, her brother, her nephew being murdered. She took some time out as you would. She came back stronger, released multiple award-winning albums. There's something inside the human spirit that when we hear stories of people who come back stronger, it inspires us. But you know, here's the thing, it's not easy to come back stronger. You see, what we need to do, what I wanna look at today is we need to find inner strength. Because if we're gonna come back stronger out of this season that we've been through, if we're gonna come back stronger out of whatever we've been through in life or are going through, we need to find some inner strength. 
And what we're going to do over these next few weeks is that we're going to look at Old Testament characters. That's the first part of the Bible. Bible split. It's lots and lots of books, but it's split into two halves, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is Jesus and beyond, and the, and the Old Testament is before that. And there's Old Testament characters that we're going to look at, and each and every one of these went through tough times in life. They went through difficult experiences, but they found a way to come back stronger. And we are going to look, I'm going to kick off by one of my favourite characters, and that's the character of Moses. So I want to look with you today at a bit in Moses' life, which most people don't talk about. In fact, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on this little bit that I'm going to look at right now. You see, Moses was somebody that for the first 40 years of his life, you'd say he has strength. Like he has strength, like he's he's brought up in 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 the court of the Pharaoh. He is adopted, I'll talk about that in a moment, into the court of the Pharaoh, almost raised as a prince of Egypt. He's got power, he's got prestige, he's got possessions, he's got popularity, he's got position. He's got everything that you'd think when it comes to strength. And yet what happens to him on one day redefines everything, not only about his life, but about where real strength really is. And so we're going to look in Exodus chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to kind of break this down for you, okay, and just make a few comments as we track through these few verses. Exodus 2, verse 11 to 15. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, now by this time he's around 40. So as a baby, he's placed in the, in the Nile. Um, he's, a, he's a Hebrew, he's a Jew, and the Jews are, are in captivity and slavery. And his mom and dad put him in, the, in, this, in this bulrush, as you, you probably know the story, in this basket, in, in the Nile. And he's taken there by um, uh, the, the court of Pharaoh and he's raised as an Egyptian, but he knows who he is. So when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. Now, bearing in mind, and I never thought about this quite like this, he must have seen this before. Like he's been around for 40 years. He must have seen this kind of stuff before. And yet something happened on this day, which caused something to react within him, which caused him to act in the way that he does. Let's see what happens next. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Just pause it there. If he's seen this before... Something's going on on the inside which causes him to react and respond on this day in this manner. What on earth is going on? I mean, what does he think he's doing? He's got the physical strength to kill the Egyptian, but he hasn't got the wisdom to know that's not a good idea. I mean, what is he trying to do? Is he going to defeat the Egyptian army one soldier at a time? What's he doing? He doesn't know because something inside of him is driving him to act in a certain way. Hold that thought. Let's carry on. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, okay, so this is the day after, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. So the day before, there was an Egyptian oppressing the Hebrew man. Now there's two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who started the fight. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? That's a prophetic statement there. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Isn't this drama? I mean, you can just imagine the moment going, it's like if you're you're Gogglebox fans, do you know what I mean? You'll be watching the story here going, you know, yeah, I won't be saying what you'll be saying if you're a Gogglebox fan. But basically he's, he's he's like, wow, they saw me. They saw what happened yesterday. You know, I thought it was in secret. The Bible says he looked this way and that way. He looked in every direction, but he didn't look in every direction because some people saw him. And then it says this, then Moses was afraid thinking everyone knows what I did. You ever felt like that? 
You know, when something inside of you drives you to do something and you kind of regret it and you're like, everyone saw and knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh. Pharaoh, this is the man who's been looking after him, within whom his palace, he's been living for all of his life, all of his known and remembered life. And he went to live in the land of Midian, which by the way, is in the desert. So he's gone from being this man of strength with power, popularity, possessions, prestige, all of the rest of it, to this man living and hiding in the desert. And here's the line we wanna look at today. And it says this, when Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. Now the Bible doesn't waste language. A well is a really, really important metaphor and picture in the Bible. You see, a well and water speaks of what's on the inside of our lives. In Jungian psychology, uh, water often represents not only the, the depths of a person, but the inner depths of a person, the unknown parts of a person. St. Teresa of Avila was a, a famous um, a spiritual writer and she talked about water as not only representing the depths of you, but also the depths of who God is. Jesus himself in John chapter four sits down by a a well and talks to this lady in Samaria, in Samaria, this Samaritan woman, and they have this conversation about worship and about, about, and they're not talking about elevation or hill song. You know, they're not talking about worship songs. They're talking about a life of worship. And he says that what you're looking for in your life, lady, is you're looking for living water. And you can only find living water when you're connected to the source. And when you're connected to the source, that's when you find real strength. And I think there's something important in this verse where it says Moses sat down beside a well. Yes, it was a physical, literal well. But for the next 40 years, Moses is going to find himself almost in this place of God working in him on the inside to give him the strength he needs to come back stronger. And what I want to do today is I want to kind of dive into this whole thing. And, 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 and a bucket is really important um, because wherever you find a well, you'll find a bucket. And here's the big idea that I've got today. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. You see, for Moses, he saw what he saw lots of days. But on this one day, when he sees the Egyptian oppressing the Jew, something in the well that's in his well comes out. And it comes out in the bucket because whatever's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. And you see, for him, he was conflicted. He was adopted. And he didn't really know who he was. He said, like, like, like I've come from that people, but now I'm living with this people. I don't really fit there. And then he goes to this people and they criticise it. So he's conflicted. He's irritated. He's frustrated. He's angry. There's something inside of him. And what happens is that what's inside of him comes up on that day. I don't know about you, but this has been like a tough season, hasn't it? I know we talk about that a lot now, but it really has been a tough couple of years, hasn't it? And I don't know what's down in your well, but it does come up in the bucket. And when we interact with people, it comes up in the bucket of life. And I'm reading a book at the moment, I'm reading several, but one of them is called Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership, which, which sounds like a really depressing book. Um, but actually, it's not just leadership that has a dark side, it's human beings that have a dark side. And he says this, the dark side is a natural result of human development. 
It is the inner urges, compulsions and dysfunctions of our personality that often go unexamined or remain unknown to us, listen, until we experience an emotional explosion or some significant problem that causes us to search for a reason why. At times, the dark side seems to leap on us unexpectedly, but in reality, it has slowly crept up on us. It has been a lifetime in the making. And as I've been reading and thinking about this, I've thought to myself, do you know what? There's a lot of evidence at the moment that what's down in our well is coming up in the bucket. I don't know about you, but I think people's driving is shocking right now. And that we're having some real car parking issues that I've never known in nearly 30 years of being in this church. Where outside, we very kindly have said to some people, please, would you not park here? Because it's reserved. And we've had abuse. We've said, I thought you're supposed to be a Christian. I'm like, yeah, we are, but it's still our car park. You know, we've, been, we've had people threatened physically. And I'm thinking, where's that coming from? Because that, it wasn't like that before. I mean, parking has always pushed the buttons for some people, but not like that. You know, we've shared before, we've broken up two fights in streets recently, me and Alison. We've, we've been at the scene of three uh, crashes where nobody else stopped. And when we stopped to help people, we were just, you know, the horn from people and the finger gestulations. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is going And before I get too judgmental, I've had some moments of emotional explosion as well in the last couple of years. When I've had to ask myself the question, what is going on in me that is causing this to react in this way because what's down in the well will come up in the bucket. And I don't know what's going on within you. But you see, here's the thing. When the Bible talks about the well, it's actually talking about the soul. And when Moses sat down beside a well, it was like God was trying to say to him, Moses, you've had every trapping of external strength for 40 years. Now it's time for me to work where it really matters, which is in your soul. Because if we want to come back stronger through life circumstances, if we want to come back stronger through disappointment, if we want to come back stronger through setback, if we want to come back stronger through outside the other side of a pandemic, we're going to need to find some inner strength. And that's a work of the soul. What I want to look at is what can happen to our soul. And I've got a question for you. And I asked our staff this the other day. How well is your well? If the well actually represents the soul, how well is your well? How healthy is your soul today? So I want you to kind of go with me a little bit because this is a metaphor and picture. But if you imagine the well to depict your soul, your inner life, what can happen to it? Let me just show you one of the things that can happen to it. One of the things that can happen to it on the screen is that it can be destroyed. It can be destroyed. It's like you can have a life situation which hits you so hard and is so painful that it feels like it's destroyed your soul and you've got nothing to draw from. And when you put a bucket down, there's nothing there because it feels like your soul has been destroyed. Maybe that's your story during this last couple of years or through life, I don't know. But maybe what's more common is that, is the second one, is that it's just dried up. It's just dried up. There's a story in, in Genesis of where Abraham has these wells and then, then in the time of, of, his, of his grandson Isaac, that these wells have been dug in by the enemies, the Philistines. And it says that Isaac reopened the wells that his, father, his grandfather had dug. And maybe for some of us during this season, the kind of sense of our soul, the sense of what Jesus calls the living water where you, you draw from, maybe that it just feels like it's dried up. Maybe that's your story. 
that actually you feel on the inside like you're dried up. Maybe the third one, damaged. And by this I mean, maybe there's something in the well. There's a body in your well. And so there's something that's toxic. Maybe a relationship. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's cynicism. Meeting so many cynical people at the moment as well and listening to other Christians and Christian leaders and there's such a lot of cynicism, not all, but it's there. And maybe that's because we've allowed the well to be damaged. And the problem is with that, that whenever you put your bucket down, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So when there's unforgiveness or bitterness or when there's something toxic or, or cynicism or pessimism, if it's in your well, if it's in your soul, it comes up in your bucket. Or maybe the fourth one, which I call depleted. This is just that sense that we've poured so much out, we haven't received much in, and over time, it's depleted. And actually, when I say, how well is your well? Maybe some of you say, it's depleted. And here's the truth. You see, the reality is, it's difficult to pour anything out of an empty cup, isn't it? You ever tried to pour anything out of an empty cup? It's really difficult. Maybe for some of us, Life is calling stuff out of us, but actually our cup is empty. Our well is depleted. And when you look at that, you might say, well, yeah, I can, I can identify with one or maybe two of those. And I know it's a metaphor and a picture, but here's the great news. When you look at Moses, when he sits down beside a well in Midian, he then embarks on a whole process over many years where God addresses and helps him to address some of these internal soul issues. It's not just all God. It's a lot of Moses, but it's a lot of God as well. Okay, and I wanna just give you five things that I see in the life of Moses. I could have, I thought I'm not gonna have enough content to say, okay, when I began to prepare this. Now, I'm not gonna have enough time to say what I wanna say, all right? But there's five things that I wanna just pick out from the life of Moses. And I hope these inspire you, whether you're a person of faith or not, I think these are really, really important issues. In fact, the fifth one, you cannot have without faith, all right? And I want to encourage you to, to keep walking that. But the first one is this. What's, what's a healthy well look like? It has to have, if you go to the next slide, thanks, a sense of identity. You see, for Moses on that day, when he kills that Egyptian, he doesn't know who he is. He's conflicted. He doesn't know, do I belong there? Do I belong here? Who am I? He's caught in between and he just doesn't know who he is. But right after this, but it's actually a while later, it's kind of 40 years later, okay? At the end of chapter two into chapter three, there's a gap of 40 years. At 40 years later, God does an amazing thing at the burning bush and gives him that sense of identity. And he calls him to go back to Egypt, to go back to the Hebrews who'd rejected him. You know, and when the one guy said, who appointed you as prince and judge? Well, actually, 40 years later, it's God who appoints him as prince and judge. But up until that point, he doesn't know who he is. But at the burning bush, God speaks into this area of identity. I love what D.L. Moody, famous evangelist said. He said this, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody. Then 40 years learning he was nobody. And 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Isn't that great? I don't know about you, but you know, there's been times in my life where I think I thought I was somebody. And then when I came crashing down and realised I was actually nobody, I tell you what's the most exciting place to be, when you discover what God can do with a nobody. Amen. And maybe some of you have experienced that as well. That sense of identity in this season, guys, we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are, what God has done and who He has called us to be. 
The second one is humility. It says of Moses in Numbers 12 verse 3, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Isn't that incredible? More humble than any other person on earth. What is humility? C.S. Lewis put it this way, and you've heard this before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. But you know, I think humility is much more than that. I think humility is a posture and it's a way of holding our lives like that. It's a way of saying, I'm open to feedback. I'm open to criticism. I'm open to people speaking into my life. I don't know everything. I want to learn. I want to grow. I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to be authentic. I'm willing to say I haven't got it all together and not pretend that I have. I think those are the traits of humility. And I think for Moses, he comes and he learns and he allows God to speak on the inside of him and he allows his well to get healthy. And he has this incredible ability to be humble. And that's not like C.S. Lewis says, thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, but it's also being open to others and to God more. And I think when it comes to humility, it's a lot around a recognition of strength. For the first 40 years, Moses thought he was strong because of, of, of all that he had externally. Then he realises that actually strength is what you have internally. And actually in our weakness, the Bible says, that's when we can know the ultimate strength. I love how um, Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 12. And if you read this first, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10 from the message, it's amazing. It says this, For my weakness, listen, becomes a portal for God's power. Isn't that amazing? My weakness becomes a portal for God's power. Ever felt weak? I know I have. I know I do. Coming out of this season as well, or trying to come out of this season, and it's so hard. And we're hearing about infection rates and this and that. And tonight, I will be getting on a plane to go to Albania for the first time in over 19 months. And you know, a little bit nervous. I mean, I'm a, I'm a traveler, I travel a lot on planes, a little bit nervous, not quite knowing all that's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you feel a little bit weak. But I keep holding on to this, this verse because my weakness is a portal for God's power. The minute I think, my power is enough, I'm in trouble. It's a well issue. It's an issue of the soul. We want to find inner strength. We've got to have humility. And then the third one is dependency. And um, by this, I don't mean an unhealthy codependency. I mean a dependency on God and a dependency on other people. Maybe you're not a person of faith, but maybe you've been trying to do it all on your own. One of the greatest signs of strength, guys, is not when you try and do it on your own, but when you get help. You know, yesterday morning, and he's here, he's here in, the, in the room, a really good friend of mine came and helped me because I am rubbish at anything practical. All right, I don't mean rubbish, I mean horribly rubbish, okay? So don't ask me to do anything DIY practical. I am terrible, all right? You, you'll say things like, yeah, but you can put shelves up. I'm that bad, I'm terrible. And I'm hopeless to gardening. Anyone love gardening? Anyone? Any hands in the air? Nobody? Yeah, a few of you actually love it. I hate it. 
And we have a shared front garden with our next door neighbours, okay? And we both, both sets of couples, we both hate gardening, but it's got so bad, it's got so bad that I have heard that other people connected to people in the church have walked past our front garden and made comments on the quality of our garden. So I thought we need to do something. So yesterday, this really good friend of mine came and gave me three hours of his time to help me with the garden. I am not too proud to admit I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. But here's the thing, in other areas of my life, am I too proud to admit I don't know what I'm doing? Because a sign of humility leads on to that sign of dependency where we say, do you know what? It's not just all about me. I need help. That's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And maybe coming out of this season, maybe there are some of us here watching online or in the room and actually the inner strength we could find will be when we say to somebody else, I need help. Marriages. There was, if, if, if I could say anything, if you're a married couple today, you know, please don't wait until it's too late before you ask for help. I've seen so many people who finally ask for help and I say, why didn't you ask earlier? When you knew that issues were going on, when you knew that there was strain and there was strife and there was struggle, why when you've come to the end, when it's almost like it's too late, why don't you ask for help? help sooner. Maybe you think it's a sign of weakness, but actually it's a sign of strength. Moses, it says of Moses in Numbers 11 verse 14, he said, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And there's a story later on where his father-in-law Jethro comes to him and he says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, Moses, you know, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're trying to lead, but you're trying to lead all these people and you're trying to do it all on your own. And two things are happening. They're getting frustrated because you can't be the leader of everybody and you can't meet everybody's need. And secondly, it's going to kill you. And he says, you need to do it differently. Why don't you do it this way? And he gives him a different strategy. And Moses is humble and dependent and open and secure enough in his identity to embrace what his father-in-law tells him. So important. The fourth area is integrity. And integrity is so important. Integrity, basically, it means, in its original meaning, it means wholeness. It means integrated. It means the same on the inside as the outside. It means it's who you are in the dark. It's who you are when nobody's watching, not just when everybody's watching. Integrity is not what I do on the stage. It's what I do when I'm not on the stage. Integrity is being whole and integrated and what you see, this is who I am. And Moses had this in absolute shed loads. In fact, it says in the New Testament book of Hebrews, where the writer gives like a a headline of lots of Old Testament characters, some of the ones we're going to look at in this series. And he says of Moses, you know, Moses, it says he chose oppression over pleasure. He chose eternal gain over temporary reward. Why? Because he had integrity. Why? Because he had a healthy soul. And actually, when you put your bucket down in a, in a healthy well, what comes up out of it is healthy. And it leads on to the final thing I want to say, and it's intimacy. And I want to linger on this one a little bit. And when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy or intimacy with another human being. I'm talking about intimacy with God. You see, ultimately, I think the key to a healthy soul, as God intended, is to have intimacy with the one who created us. You see, we're created in the image of God and any strength we feel that we have, and we do have strength, of course we do, any real strength, 
Okay, powerful strength that can help us come back stronger from the hardest and toughest things of life comes out of our connection with the God who created us. It says of Moses in Exodus 33 verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses' soul became healthy ultimately because of his time with God. Many of you know the story of Moses, you know this. Moses was promised to lead the people to the promised land. He never got to the promised land, but I actually think that the presence of God was the promised land for Moses. It's an incredible thing, but, but for me, Moses and his time with God and Joshua, this young guy that was learning from Moses, Moses was his mentor. Joshua was gonna become the next leader. Joshua sees Moses, not just when he's on the stage, but when he's off the stage, but in the presence of God. And there's this sense of intimacy, time with God, which is so, so important. And it says, doesn't it, in this verse that we just looked at, God speaks to Moses face to face as one would speak to a friend. I wonder for you and for me, if we put the bucket down today into our well, into our soul, what would we bring up? And I wonder how many of us would have the courage, if that's the right word, to say, God, I want to speak to you about what's in my bucket because it's come from my well. It's come from my soul. And you see, that's the kind of relationship God had with Moses because they talked friends as face to face, as a friend speaks to a friend. And when you've got a good friend, and I have got some many, many good friends, and I hope you have as well. When you speak to a good friend, you can talk about anything, can't you? You can talk about what's there. That's the relationship God had with Moses. And what's amazing about this, and there's a, there's a kicker to, and there's a twist to this as well, is let's go back to the original statement that we made. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. What's down in the well? Why don't you just say that with me, okay? I'm gonna make sure you're all awake. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. And if you're at home watching online, let's try it, come on. If you're at Rowley, let's try it. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. If that's true for the darker stuff, all the negative stuff, all the unhealthy stuff. Listen, it's true for the good stuff too, isn't it? You see, when we got something to draw from, then we become healthy people who live from the inside out. And I love this phrase I heard from, from another leader in America recently. He said, and, and, and he, he was talking about coming out of the pandemic. And he says, coming out of the pandemic, we need to be people who have reservoirs of resilience. And I love that phrase, reservoirs of resilience. Why? Because we're gonna need it. We're going to need to draw resilience from the reservoir inside of us. And if it's true that what's down in the well will come up in the bucket, it's true not only of the negative stuff, but also of the good stuff as well. So I want to show you a contrast. And I want to show you these two wells that I've been developing and thinking on. This is not from anybody else. This is just me and my thoughts with God. It can either be this well which is destroyed, smashed, dried up, damaged or depleted or any of these. Or it can be this well where there's intimacy with God, where there's integrity, where we are who we are, whether we're on stage or not, whether we're you know, in the dark or not, we are who we are. Dependency, it's not just me, it's me and God and others and there's an openness or it's humility where we're open to others, where you're open to learn, where you're open to grow. An identity where we know who we are. And we know whose we are. And I tell you what, when you draw out of that well, 
That's going to make a difference, isn't it? When you draw out of that well, that's going to make an impact to our world. Guys, when you draw out of that well, that's literally going to make a life-changing, I think, impact to people around us. Imagine if in your workplace or in your college or in your school or in your street or in your community or in your factory or your office, wherever it is, you were the person that was drawing out of this kind of well. And when life is difficult, and it is for all of us, and, and the boss does your head in, and I understand that, <laughs> and my staff understand that too. And, and actually, in that moment, you know that you're drawing out of this well, not out of this well. I'll tell you what, that's a well place to be, isn't it? How well is your well today? I want to give you a couple of points of application, and then I want to create, and we've created some time and space today for us to be in the presence of God, not that we're not in the presence of God now, because of course we are, but to be more consciously maybe aware and to invite the Holy Spirit to speak into our soul today. We can't do much in 15, 20 minutes, but here's the truth. God could begin something on the inside of you right now, if you let him. God could begin something on the inside of you at home right now, if you let him. God could begin something on the inside of you in Rowley or in Clebury or wherever you're watching from right now if you'll let Him. But here's the two things that we need to do. Number one, we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention to what's going on on the inside. You see, that's what Moses didn't do. He didn't understand that on the inside there was, he was conflicted, he was frustrated, he was angry, he was insecure, he didn't know who he was and he reacted out of that in that moment. I don't know about you, but I had a new car a few weeks ago and you're trying to get used to the different things on a car, aren't you? It isn't a brand new car, but it's a new car to me. And I'm trying to get used to the dashboard and, the, and these lights keep going on. And I'm like, I don't know what that light means. I need to pay attention, don't I? Because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. And I don't know about the warning lights for you. I know the warning lights for me, many of them. I know when I need to pay attention to the well. When I need to say, actually, I'm not, I'm not in a good place. It's not that well right now with my soul. Yeah, it is like my salvation's okay, but, but my health and my soul isn't that well. And I don't know about you, but maybe there's warning lights going on for you. You need to pay attention. And, and here's the thing, ask the people who are closest to you because they know the warning lights maybe more than you do. What's going on? But secondly, once you pay attention, you've then got to take action. You've got to take action. You've got to begin to do something. And here's the thing, and this is our strap line for this series. This is not by chance, but by choice. And I believe God does the stuff, but I believe that actually it's when we are intentional and we take that choice to actually engage with God and invite Him into the process of helping us to have a healthy soul that it becomes well with my soul. What could that look like? Well, it could look like lots of things. Maybe for some of us, we've, we've, you know, we've kind of gone a little bit slack with our time with God. You know, it was great just a couple of weeks ago seeing one of the young guys getting baptised and he said it was during the pandemic when, when, when we as a church kept saying, start the day with Jesus. And he said, I'm going to do that. And as a result of doing that, his spiritual life began to reawaken. Isn't that amazing? Maybe for you, you've let that slip. Maybe just starting the day with Jesus for five minutes rather than with social media or the news. That could be a way of helping you to start the day with a healthier soul. Maybe invite and embrace feedback Maybe read a book. You know, when was the last book that you read which was good for your soul? Maybe forgive that person 
that you know is, is, is kind of in the well. There's a body in your well and you know it's that person that you can't forgive. And so every time you put the bucket down, out comes this bitterness and this unforgiveness. Why? Because you haven't forgiven them. Maybe begin the process of forgiving them today. Maybe choose to do life with other people. Invite others into your life. I want to read some poetry to you as we finish, which is not something that I do very often. But this is from a book called Gorillas of Grace, which I've started reading, which is a book of poetry. Which again, I don't really like poetry all that much, but I've just felt a little bit challenged to kind of tap into some different sides of who I am as a human being. And I came across this and, and it's, like a, it's like an invitation really. And I want to read it over you. And then I want to pray for some of you today. And then we're going to have some time singing, worshipping and just inviting God to do some work on the inside. So just breathe for a moment, okay? Just God wants to do something important. In fact, this, the word that's used in this is God wants to do something essential in us if we'll let Him. So, oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something more than interesting or entertaining. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tumble and heal. Oh God, let something essential happen and joyful happen in me now. Something like the blooming of hope and faith, like a grateful heart, like a surge of awareness of how precious each moment is. That now, not next time, is the occasion to take off my shoes, to see every bush afire. Let something essential happen to me. I want to invite you to respond and to pray with me. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? And guys, if today, some of you in this room or some of you online and you're saying, do you know what? My soul is not that well. My well, maybe, maybe it's been damaged or maybe it's been, you feel it like it's been destroyed or maybe it's just dried up or maybe you feel depleted. I want to pray for you today. And I want you to respond. And if that's you, I'd love you just to stand in the room. I know I'm standing and I'm also standing because I feel a little depleted right now. And so if that's you as well, I just want you to stand wherever you are. Okay, there's no shame. There's no embarrassment, hopefully. There's no, this is strength, not weakness. That's, that's great. Just stand wherever you are and you just feel that. Do you know what? Something's happened to my well and I want to acknowledge it right now. I want to pay attention and I want to make a choice. And so you just stand right now. And if you're at home, maybe you want to ask, you want to receive prayer right now. The, the guys are going to put a prayer response in the chat right now. And we would love to pray for you. Why don't you respond in this very moment? Respond and just say, God, you're not responding to me or to us, you're responding to God and you're reaching out by just responding right now. The guys will put that in the chat. Father, I want to pray for every single person standing here in the room, those online, that are responding as well. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill their hearts and their souls again with your joy, with your presence, with the water of your Holy Spirit. God, would you freshen us and restore us 
Jesus, we, we, we have a bucket that we, we keep putting down and we draw and we draw day in, day out. We want to be people that draw from a healthy well. So Jesus, would You help us, I pray. Lord, if there's actions that need to be taken as a result of this moment, then Lord, would You do it? And now, Lord, as we invite You by Your Spirit to meet us in this place, would You come? And in these minutes and moments that we've got, we want to, to, to say, Lord, would You be intimate with us today? Would You be intimate with our soul? Would You be intimate with who we are, we pray in Jesus' Name. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand? And I want to encourage you here in the room, those of you watching online, as we worship with this song, don't just listen to it as a song. Don't just even sing it as a song. Use it as a prayer. Use it as an invitation. God is inviting you, just like Moses did when he was in that tent of meeting. And the Bible says that Joshua watched him and, and there was something going on. And, and for Moses, it was like he was talking to God face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. And because of Jesus, we can do the same today. Let's worship.